Welcome back, my friends, to yet another episode of Direct Response Secrets. I'm your host, Zachary J. Radford, and today we are about to embark on an exciting journey through time, opportunity, and strategic action. We're going to be diving in to how to show up for your customers when they need you at the right place at the right time, or what I like to call the conversion path. Have you ever been like talking about a product or service with a friend or a family member? Then all of a sudden, bam, it was like the universe was eavesdropping on you and it showed up in your Facebook feed. Well, you ever wonder how they do that? I'm gonna show you. Stick around because we're gonna get into that. Also, I wanna talk about how being in the right place at the right time turned this one brand that you definitely know of into a $1.5 billion company. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back. Welcome back. So in back in 2013, there was a business named, drumroll, Warby Parker emerged in the eyewear market. They were all about uh, stylish glasses and frames and, and, and really cool, edgy looking marketing. Now, you wouldn't typically suspect uh, someone to buy their eyewear online. It's super counterintuitive. They would have to try it on, see if it fits, see how it looks. You got the prescription part. How does it make them feel? The folks at Warby Parker knew this, but they found a way around it. So Warby Parker came up with this brilliant promotion called Home Try-On Program, where essentially a customer could select from five frames, have it delivered to their house, try them on, see how it makes them feel and look and get all excited about it, and then send them all back for free. And then and only then they can decide whether they wanted to purchase them, which ones, how many. Now, if you could imagine that you're wanting to buy a new pair of glasses, but you're dreading the visit to the store, trying on endless pairs, not knowing all these different questions floating through your head and all the high prices and everything that comes with buying new eyewear. If you don't know, if you don't wear glasses, um, and I personally don't, I wear blue blockers, but my partner does wear glasses and it's a big deal. It's a big purchase. So going through that process is a big endeavor. Uh, it's, it's not like just getting a new pair of shoes. It's very much a part of them and their identity. This is a massive uh, purchase. So instead of going through that process of having to uh, figure out exactly what glasses to wear, what they look like, what they feel like, and going to uh, your local spot to do that, you could have it all sent to your house. I mean, it's absolutely genius. Now, and if you were in the process of of making that purchase, like that offer, the try on, the home try on program, it would just make sense for you. It would make sense because you could try it all on in the comfort of your own home, buy the ones you want and move on to the next. Now, being at the right place, the internet, at the right time for, uh, for Warby wasn't just the only part of their success. What they did is they really understood their customer's conversion path and planned it to a T. They didn't just sell glasses, they sold service and convenience. And at each step, they knew that making, uh, getting a customer to feel like they were understood and comfortable was paramount to their success. So yes, they were at the right time and, and that was great. Yes, people were spending more money than ever, which was great. But they knew they had to be a. Uh, they had to make the customers feel, keyword feel, understood and comfortable to become successful. And Warby's success wasn't just accidental. They had a ton of different challenges. So they had a skeptical market, like who wants to buy glasses online? They had high, sky high shipping costs, potential losses from free trials. But through careful planning and understanding their customer's conversion path, they were able to turn those challenges into opportunity. And today they are a multi-billion dollar household name. In short, understanding your customers and by being at the right place at the right time with the right words can make all the difference. And that's exactly what Warby Parker did. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that kind of reminds me of this is uh, a gentleman named Joe Shervoff. I'm butchering his last name. Sorry, buddy. Um, but his quote is, is genius, and I had to include it in this episode. 
Marketing makes a company look smart, or good marketing makes a company look smart. Great marketing makes customers feel smart. Another quote is, the best marketing does not feel like marketing. And that's from a gentleman named Tom Fishburne. As I would like to say, being in the perfect uh, place at the right time, that's how you win the race. So providing the customer with the value that they truly need in advance is the key to being successful in your business. It's, uh, it's akin to uh, timing your success is like, catching a wave, all right? If you're too, if you paddle, if any of our surfers here, what's up? If you paddle too early or too late, you're not going to be able to catch that wave. You're gonna miss it. But if you plan everything, your customer journey, uh, your customer conversion path, and, and, and really position your marketing with your customer's needs first and foremost, you're going to catch that wave. And now you're gonna be able to ride that wave all the way to shore and be super successful. And that's what we're gonna be talking about in this episode. We are gonna be talking about the conversion path. Let's get into the teaching side. We'll break this all down. I will do it at a high level. I'll give you step by step and I'll give you the three biggest takeaways at the end of this episode. All right, let's do it. So let's break down the process of what I like to call the conversion path. Now, what is the conversion path? Well, great question. The conversion path is a journey a customer must take uh, from their first encounter with your business through various interactions and careful engineering uh, to convert them from a potential customer into a paying customer, ultimately into a loyal advocate of your brand and, and hopefully ascending into all of your other products. Depending the stage of your business, whether you are startup, momentum, or optimized, you should always choose the closest point to conversion uh, to drive sales. And let's go over the conversion path just so you can get a high level overview and then I'll dive into each section. So if you have the newsletter, look at the newsletter, you're gonna be able to see it, but essentially there's a big dollar sign there. That's where the conversion happens. You take one step to the left, you have the conversion mechanism. Two steps from the left, you have the buyer lead. And then the furthest step to the left is attention. So we need to get their attention. We need to turn them into a buyer lead, selling them something low ticket. And then using our conversion method or mechanism, our sales process, to get them to buy our high ticket products and services, turn them into an advocate. Uh, this is now to the, the first to the right, which is the advocate. Uh, the second to the right is retention and the third to the right is ascension. So uh, advocate, we want testimonials, we want word of mouth, we want uh, reviews and all these great things that we get from delivering an amazing product or service to our customers. Uh, and then we have retention, which is uh, keeping them as a customer as long as possible, right? We want to figure out ways that we can add continuity into our offers and whether you're e-commerce, perhaps that's like a special package for free shipping, whether you're a digital product and you're doing a membership site or a SaaS and all different ways to kind of bring them in and keep them uh, retained as customers. And then we want to be able to ascend them to the next buying levels. And that's how we really make money. So let's dive a little bit deeper to each one of these. Again, starting from the far left, I'm gonna read uh, from the far left all the way to the right so you can, you can visualize that. Of course, you can look at the newsletter, but attention, buyer leads, conversion mechanism, advocate, retention, and ascension. Those are the six steps that we need to have a successful business. And why would somebody be an advocate? Why would somebody like retain our services and why would they ascend with us? Because, this should go without saying, but because we're delivering an immaculate delivery of our products and services, this that's a no-brainer. If you're not, not delivering on your promises, doesn't matter how great your marketing is because you will fail. Anyways, <laughs> sidebar over. Let's get into it. So starting at the top at attention. So what we want to do is be able to attack, like we want, if we can't attract attention and people's eyeballs into our lives and into our businesses, how are we going to ever sell them something, right? It, and I'm sure there's, and there's lots of ways to get attention. There's positive ways and negative ways. Here's just a couple to consider. You can do it through like uh, influencer marketing, content marketing, email marketing, digital ads, traditional ads, PR, guest blogging, event sponsorships, and so on and so on and so on. Like there's a thousand ways. SEO, 
Facebook ads, Google ads, like we can get attention a lot of different ways. My best advice to you is look at your audience, who they are, where they spend their time online, and focus in there. For example, if you were really selling to your audience through Facebook ads and that is the route that you wanna go, awesome. Don't neglect organic. What do you mean? Well, organic, such as just posting on your Facebook page, as you run ads, you will get people that'll like and follow your page. It's just a byproduct of running ads. Now, what are you, let's say you have 10,000 people on that page over a set period of time. They're just sitting there. You may be posting one or two uh, organic pieces. This is gold. Okay, if you're gonna take anything away from this episode, I want you to take this away, okay? Organic is free testing. With ads, you have to put budget behind it and you have to test. Now, why is it important to test? Well, the more you test, the more opportunities you have to find a winner. So with that logic, uh, and my advice to you, regardless of where you are in your business, you wanna, whatever, if you wanna win and be successful in your business, take, uh, take how many tests or how many posts you're doing in a month, do that in a week. And take how many posts you're doing in a week and do that in a day, and you're gonna see what works and what gets attention. So back to the organic. The reason we wanna post our ads on organic first, because if something pops off there, and you can just go into your, uh, your business manager and see what gets engagement, you, you know what it looks like. You post something, nothing. You post something, nothing. You post something, 20 likes and two comments, well, maybe that's a making of a solid ad and you've found that information out for free. So that's going to be worth your, uh, <laughs> your time and energy today for listening to the podcast. Implement that. You want to test organically and, and then bring that over to the paid side. So that's just one of the hundreds of ways to get attention, but we need it. If we don't have attention, we can't sell them our next, uh, our next step in the process. So I like to use uh, what's called buyer leads. You hear it uh, called tripwires and low ticket and all these different uh, analogies for the exact same thing. It's, it's how do you take somebody who is interested in what you're saying and turn them into a buyer? The whole uh, idea of the buyer lead is to take somebody who is like, Hey, this is kind of cool. And then get them to reach into their pocket and vote with their credit card by purchasing and becoming a customer. Here's why this is important. Now this might not be your main offer. This may not be your, your main product or your service. Uh, but at the same time, money talks. If somebody's willing to take out their credit card and pay for even a small version of your product, they are 10 times more likely to convert. And I would rather have a list of a thousand buyers versus a list of a hundred thousand people freebies, people that aren't doing anything or paying you any money. The value, you ever hear the values in the list, the money's in the list? Well, what they're talking about is the buyer's list. Why is it in the buyer's list? The reason it's in the buyer's list because they have proven that they are interested by taking out their money and making purchases. So in, inside of your business, you should have a free list and you should also have a buyer's list and keep those separate because they're very valuable and very different. We can turn people from our free list into buyers. I'm not saying free lists aren't valuable, they are but getting somebody to pay you money is much more valuable than getting someone to give you their email, but we need both. Uh, some of the free buyer leads that you can consider, even if you're an e-commerce brand, offline brand, uh, you're in services, whatever you're into, uh, here's a couple of ideas. You can do free trials, uh, some sort of discounted version of your original product, eBooks, uh, I would say any type of paid contests, uh, paid events, uh, free tools and services, uh, and obviously you look at like your paid webinars and, and stuff like that. So anything that's paid where someone has to put their credit card in, uh, whether that's free trials, whether they're buying an ebook, whether they're paying uh, for an entry into a contest, or they're paying to visit your webinars, uh, that's a buyer lead and that is gold. That list is gonna be extremely valuable to you and your business. Now, let's talk about the conversion mechanism. So the conversion mechanism is uh, essentially a sales process. And the reason I call it a conversion mechanism because I don't want you to confuse, a sale is taking place, okay? A conversion is taking place, but it may not be the traditional 
face-to-face conversation or one-on-one Zoom call. Conversions can happen in a lot of different places. This can happen on emails, landing pages, uh, product demos, consultations, discovery calls, webinars, direct mail, in-person presentations. Like, like there's a wide variation uh, of conversions. So I call it the conversion mechanism because we want to think, okay, I now I got their attention. They've bought my low ticket product. Uh, they've become a buyer lead. Now, how do we get them to buy our main product or service? What is our conversion mechanism? And I can't tell you that because I don't know what your business is, but you should be crafting a, a journey for them to go from attention, buyer lead, and then ascend those people up to your, your main offering. And then you should also have a high ticket, which we'll get into in Ascension as well. Uh, but that's how we bring people in. All right. Obviously, the sale happens. You've converted them. Great. Now what? Well, other than delivering an amazing service, we want to try to turn them into an advocate, right? Uh, some some ideas to turn uh, your clients, which make great employees, by the way. If you're looking to hire some people, your customers may be the great greatest spot that you can turn to because they already know, trust, and like you, believe in your products and services. Uh, that's a great source to get employees. That was a little side tidbit. Anyways, some ways that we can get them to advocate through affiliate programs. They can refer all their friends and family and, and other people. Maybe they have followings and, and you can uh, tap into that as well. Testimonials, user-generated content, social proof, and becoming a brand ambassador, uh, which is amazing. Uh, that brings us to the next step, retention. Keeping your customers um, paying you. So there's two ways to grow a business. You can uh, essentially... Uh, increase your prices and, and and have you know bigger sales. That's that's one did one way to do it, or get more sales from. It's essentially the same thing, but you're there's one way to grow your business is to to sell more to more people, or you can have your existing customers continuously paying you and growing, which I prefer. Now, here's the reason. It's exciting and it's sexy to go out and get new customers and uh, and bring them into your business. That's super sexy. But to me, what it's kind of boring, but it's super sexy because it works and it makes you lots of money, is having your existing customers continuously pay you. It's so much easier to sell to someone who knows and trusts and likes you than it is to bring in new people. And new people have, like, there's nothing wrong with, with attracting new business. It's a must. You have to do it. But I mean, if you already have 20, 30 people paying you, 100, 200, 1,000 people paying you, why not try to just sell them something else? And that, that's the Ascension model um, that that I was talking about. So some ways to increase uh, sidebar over. <laughs> All right. So retention. The reason that we want to keep them uh, paying us because it helps us grow our businesses. It allows us to provide stability uh, through continuity programs. Uh, some ways to implement retention into your business is uh, number one could be uh, exceptional customer service. People love to be seen, heard, and know that you care. That That's a huge reason why they want to do business with you. Customer service is just an extension of that. Regular communication. So email is a great way to do that. Text is a great tool to do that. Posting on social and other ads that aren't just sales are a great way to do that. Uh, build loyalty programs. Uh, build personalized offers for different people. So as people... Uh, like. Um, when somebody purchases your product and you solve that solution for them, you're essentially creating a handful of different problems for them. That's your next product. That's your next service. You, that could be a continuity offer. That could be a software. That could be a membership. That could be a newsletter and and a great opportunity to sell. You can do exclusive events, uh, exclusive training, and ultimately community building, which I think is highly underrated, uh, building a community is, is a powerhouse because you have everybody coming together, everybody cheering for each other, building on a single idea and goal. And that's a great way to generate more sales and ultimately be a part of something uh, that's bigger than yourself when you're building your business. Something to think about. All right, let's get into ascension. The final step is ascension. So we want to ascend them up the ladder. What does this mean? You're like, okay, so they I've made a small... Let's just say, for example, that your service is a, uh, let's use something that is kind of 
very commoditized. So let's say you're a grass cutting service. Your main package is uh, $1,000 a year and you come and you cut grass. I don't know actual prices. I think I pay like $30 or $40 on my grass cut. I can't remember. And we only have it for six months out of the year because we're in Canada. Let's just say for this example, $1,000. That's that's what you want to sell. So what you could sell on the front end is a sample service or uh, I've heard it called like a sliver service where you can do like a de-weeding for $29 or uh, aeration service for $99, something along those lines. You want to get your foot in the door. So that's your low ticket. That's your buyer lead, right? And you have, you get their attention. They take you up on this aeration service in all of your marketing. You're explaining how great, uh, what it, what you need to have green grass, how amazing it is and how aeration is a big part of that. They buy into that $99 package. Okay. Now a percentage of them are just, they already know, trust and like you. All you have to do is say, Hey, we already have our guys at your house. How about we, I know your time is valuable, right? You're running your business or you're busy working, raising your family. Why don't you let us just cut your, your grass for you? Just that simple conversation, boom, you'll have a massive percentage of them be like, hey, that's good. How much is it? Well, it's $1,000 a year and here's all the benefits and here's all the things that you get and uh, can we do that for you? Sure, that sounds great. That's where most people stop. So now you got a percentage of people buying the aeration. You got a, a percentage of people buying the grass cutting. Now, what you need to do is tack on a premium value offer or a high ticket offer. I've heard it called as well. And this is an offer that really speaks to a small percentage of the overall leads that have come into your world and the overall customers, but it'll generate 80% of your revenue or more. So this could be, uh, and this is just off the top of my head, and I obviously do not know this market well enough to be crafting an offer. I would have to do some research. And if you do run this type of company, you obviously know what this high ticket offer is going to be. But this could be like a, a dedicated individual comes to your house, does all the weeds, does your windows, does your ease trough, does all property management main maintenance package, which, which could be like five grand a year, which is 5x what your other product is. You can even put that at $10,000 a year. A small percentage of people that take you up on your grass cutting services will take you up on that package. They already know, trust, and like you. They're like, hey, I don't want to clean my windows. I never thought of that. Hey, I don't want to get up on the roof and clean the east trough. Hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to cut and trim the trees. I don't want to clean my pool. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do Like, You're in there, and that's the opportunity. And that's where you really make your money. And that's how you can out afford to outspend people in their advertising. Cool, right? You liking this? Hopefully you're liking this. And if you are liking this, please consider uh, subscribing, uh, sharing this with somebody who could use this valuable information and, uh, in, and liking and commenting. Let me know. That's how I get feedback. Let's get some feedback rolling in. The more that you're willing to give me, the more I'm willing to give you. Uh, creating this podcast is something I love to do, but it doesn't affect my life. I can go on, just keep making my money and doing what I'm doing, <laughs> but I feel that it, it will have a massive impact in your life if I keep creating this content and sharing with you what is working in my business. And I feel compelled to do it anyways. Uh, but by you liking and sharing uh, our podcast, is it means a lot to me. And it will mean a lot to the next version of yourself uh, because this is going to be big for you. Okay, so why, uh, here's, here's a little bit of a, uh, an interesting fact. So, all right, you ready? Not all buyers are created equal. Let that sink in. Not all buyers are created equal. Now you hear some people being like, a buyer's a buyer's a buyer. No. (laughs) When you're actually growing your business, and depending on what stage of your business you are in, you may already have experienced this, but there's going to be a lot of your low ticket buyers will take up 80% of your resources. Versus the 20% of your high ticket buyers will produce 80% of your resources, but take up 20% of your time. Um, And that's based off of the 80-20 rule, or um, I believe it's called, uh, I can't think of the the name right now, Perseto, Perfetto, I don't know. Anyways, 
it'll come to me. Essentially, the rule is 80% of your results are coming from 20% of your clients and customers. Pareto's principle. There you go. I knew that would come to me. Um, and, and, and you're going to, you're going to see this. So when you're marketing, you got to think about who you're talking to. So here's just a, a list of type of buyers and depending on your business, maybe bargain buyers are somebody you want. Maybe they're not. Um, and it really depends because you look at Walmart, they want bargain buyers. They want people to come in and get all the deals and buy all the little widgets and, and make a lot of money. If that's not your business, which I, you can get rich that way, but I say that it, my argument would be why <laughs> you could sell more expensive products to people with deeper pockets and that'll help you grow and scale your business much, much, much easier. Uh, or uh, put it another way is to help solve rich people problems and, uh, and offer amazing solutions and services and, and, and craft an amazing conversion path to help them end to end. That's all business is. That, that's business in a nutshell, being at the right place, uh, at the, well, the right time with the right offer uh, for the right person. I said that backwards, but it's the right person, the right offer at the right time. You bring those three things together, you will have conversion. So let's get into uh, a handful of uh, different types of buyers. So we have the bargain hunters. Uh, these these are individuals that are primarily driven by price. They are not the best buyers in my experience. But if that's your business model, that's your business model. Um, we have the research-oriented buyers. So these are the people that need to consume a lot of content before making a purchasing decision. Now, think of like a, a car purchase. Uh, there's a lot of people that are very much wanting to take their time to research every, all the best SUVs and test drive all the SUVs. For me personally, I like that's not me. I am <laughs> I get overwhelmed. So. Um, if I'm taking in too much information, I just know what I want and I try to go out and get it. Uh, not in a, an impulsive way, but in more of a luxury buyer, which I'll get to in a second. So you have impulsive buyers, which make uh, quick decisions uh, based on emotions, which can make great customers, uh, especially if they are um, already on the path that you're, you've laid out for them. Meaning, you, they're already in search of the transformation that you and your products and services provide. That's a great spot to start. Uh, you have brand loyalists. So people will just buy Tide, for example, even though it's, it may not be the best product on the market, but they've been buying it for 20 years. How do you get these buyers? Well, you start building it, right? You start building them up. You be consistent and you show up in the market with this uh, impeccable excellence and and they will uh, become brand loyalists to you. Those are great customers. Repeat buyers is another way of saying that. So you have uh, social proof seekers, people that are influenced by what other people are doing and endorsing. So this is your influencers, your testimonials, your user generated content. Now, I'm using every technique I can to get conversion. I'm not trying to like, this is the only person I want. I don't care necessarily if you're... Um, you know, if you want to buy my products that are automated and you're a bargain hunter, right on. You're just not going to take me up on my next offer. And there's no sweat off my back. Like, <laughs> I'm still making the, the front end sale, which I'll give me more dollars for advertising and so on and so on and so on. So I'm using all the techniques, uh, just so you're aware, to try to bring someone in and convert them. But you're going to be able to look at this list and identify, uh, is this person uh, a, a brand loyalist? Are they an impulse buyer? Are they a research-oriented bargain hunter? All right, and so the next one is social proof seekers. Oh, actually we did that one. The next one is uh, ethical buyers and they're motivated by sustainability, ethical labor practices, charitable contributions, and so on. Think of like your Tom's uh, company where you buy one pair of shoes and they give another pair of shoes to somebody in need. That's that ethical buyer, which you can uh, position your brand that way. Uh, and the last but not least, one of my favorites is luxury buyers. Why do I like luxury buyers? Well, they buy because of quality, exclusivity, and status. They are willing to pay a premium for products and services that enhance their lifestyle, status, and self-protection. They um, are, sorry, self-perception. Uh, they are motivated by high quality products, exclusively uh, superior customer service and premium branding. So 
I, I lump myself into this category. What I love about a luxury buyer, and, and this is how I shop, and this is how I buy. So recently, I just bought a brand new Jeep, and I went in to buy a totally different car, saw this Jeep there that was in on a trade-in, and they're like, this was not my plan. They're like, oh, we don't actually have your the car that you're looking to buy. I was like, oh, can I test drive that? Okay, you can test drive that. I had that car, uh, I had that Jeep, purchased by three o'clock in the afternoon. I went there at 10 in the morning, had all the financing done, had everything organized and done and that's it. And the salesperson was like, so blown away. They were like, uh, uh, uh." I was like, man, I want it. I'm gonna buy that because I can afford it. That's a luxury buyer. And buying this Jeep was exciting for my kids. It was exciting for me. We're able to take the top off. I live on an island and tons of beaches. So we're able to go cruise down to the beaches and do all the different stuff. Like I saw myself uh, elevated status and uh, joining the exclusive, uh, well, exclusive Jeep world, uh, where there's like, if you don't know, <laughs> if you know, you know, if you don't know, you don't know, uh, but there's like an underground uh, connection with other Jeep uh, owners and, and off-roading and all this different stuff. So it, it, it's, it's a cool vibe, and I bought the product, no, no problem, uh, hands down. So that's luxury buyers. So let's go over them very quickly. Again, you got your bargain hunters, you got your research-oriented uh, research buyers, you have your impulse buyers, brand loyalists, social proof seekers, your ethical buyers, and your luxury buyers. I recommend you create luxury products for luxury buyers just because they got more money. That, that's, that's what I do, and, and that's, that's what I want. Uh, you to, to kind of look at. And these individuals can be trained. You can train your customers to become luxury buyers and, and show them all the benefits and frame things and their benefit uh, that will allow them to grow and scale their, their business or allow them to uh, wear the coolest shirt or the coolest shoes or the coolest car. Um, yeah, it's what marketers do. So mastering the conversion path. Now, I want to give you actionable invite. Like, so that was just the overview and we're already 30 minutes in. I've been trying to keep these under half an hour, but you get me talking, I just can't stop. I'm so passionate about this because I know if I leave something out, it could be crucial to your business and to your success. Um, so I want you to win. And if you're okay with it, um, I'm gonna go a little bit longer and I'm gonna provide as much value as possible. I'm gonna show you step-by-step step how you'd implement this into a business. If you're okay with that, let me know, like, and comment on Substack or wherever you watch your podcast. Leave me a review and be like, Zach, I am down. Let's go. All right. Number one, uh, how we implement this bad boy is we want to map out your audience's conversion path. So here's a couple of questions to consider. And this is all in the newsletter as well. What triggers their awareness uh, of your brand? So like, what is the first interaction with your brand? Uh, what are their needs and concerns at each stage of the journey? Uh, what can your product and service fulfill those needs? How can your product and services fulfill those needs? Answering these questions will give you a pretty good idea. And of course, again, just so we're on the same page, we have attention, buyer lead, conversion mechanism, uh, yes or no to the sale. And if they say yes, they become advocates, retention, and ascension, right? So we're, we're on step number one. We're mapping out the conversion path. Number two, we want to capture their attention, right? How do we capture their attention? Where does your audience spend most of their time online? What type of content do they prefer to engage with? Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with modalities, but what a modality is is a, a way that we can, <clears throat> excuse me, a way that we consume content. So some people like audio. If you're listening to this, you're probably one of those people. Some people prefer written. If you're reading the newsletter, you you're probably one of those people. And other people enjoy video. My recommendation is to identify your strength. What kind of content do you want to create? Because content creation, everyone's like, oh, the content creation hamster wheel. Content creation only feels like a hamster wheel if you're talking about things you don't believe in and things that you don't know that work. If you knew by, like, here's an example. Let's say you wanted to do a podcast and you knew that you probably weren't going to get a ton of traction for the first two to three years, but you know by year number three that you're gonna be making a million dollars, right? You're guaranteed to make a million dollars because you're serving a market, you're putting it all out there. 
you, you wouldn't get tired of creating a podcast. You'd be like, damn, where's this podcast at? It's three years. I got time. Let's go. Let's make some content. That's how you need to be thinking. You need to be thinking long-term and using the tools that you enjoy uh, to fall in love with the process to create your content. So that's what I recommend. Okay, um, that's how you capture their attention. And this could be in a form of, like I said, podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, doesn't matter. Pick your network, pick your modality, and, and, and start producing. Also, another thing that we can implement here is lead capture. We can have like a lead magnet to catch capture people um, and uh, start emailing them. Emails are a great medium to, uh, to build trust and, and to grow with people. All right, step number three, the buyer lead, right? Again, this could be free trials, discount offers, eBooks, paid contests, courses. Um, and now here's a, here's a couple of questions to keep in mind. What would your audience consider valuable, right? Now, let's say, for example, we go back to the grass cutting and we're, we're all of our content is still in the aeration. And then we try to sell something that is... Uh, shingle cleaning or asphalt <laughs> doing the driveway it, like it, it doesn't match up so you got to make sure that your audience considers it valuable if they don't consider that valuable then what's the point of doing it they're not going to become a buyer lead they won't buy your or your core program and they're definitely not going to buy whatever you're selling as a premium offer all right how can this lead magnet naturally lead them to your core offer Ooh, that sounds good so how we're how i'm doing it in my business is that i've written a book called direct response secrets a seven figure ad strategy to make running any business simple predictable and fun so who picks that book up somebody who wants to have a business that's simple predictable and fun and to be able to grow it and keep things exciting they read the book. I give away all the sauce. I'm not hiding anything behind the scenes. It is pure fire and pure value. And if they implement what's in that book, they will get rich and they'll make a lot of money. And at the end, I have a call to action to our challenge, uh, which we're in the process of doing called the Profitable Ads Challenge. Uh, convert more, earn more. And essentially, it's in the title and explains itself, which gets everybody fired up. And that's the next process in my. So that's my core offer as a challenge. The book sells the challenge. It also sells the methodology. It also sells everything else associated with that. So if you're thinking about doing a book, that's a great way to set it up. Step number four, establish the conversion mechanism. All right, some things to consider. And there's a wide variety. We talked about maybe this is an email campaign. Somebody opts in uh, and then we do it that way. Maybe this is a product demo. Maybe this is a webinar. Maybe this is a discovery call. So ask yourself, what is the best method that suits your audience's preferences? Again, do you see what I'm doing here? Everything that I'm saying, it's not about me as a human necessarily. I do need to fall in love with the process. I do need to execute. But I mean, it's all about my customer. It's all about what is in the best interest for my audience. So think about that and keep that in mind because that's how you're going to get more sales. How can you effectively communicate your value proposition to those uh, through these mechanisms. So how can you effectively communicate your value proposition through these mechanisms? So which, what's going to be best for your audience and what's going to be the best way to relay your mechanism. Now, if you're like, Zach, I want to do an automated web. I've never done a webinar before, but I want to do an automated webinar and then just run ads to it and da -da 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 -da. stop, 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 stop. If you're, if you're just getting started and you want to do a webinar, then do a webinar, but you have to do the work. You have to put in the reps. If you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do discovery calls. Awesome. And you're like, well, I'm not going to do any because I don't like sales. I'm going to get somebody to stop and eh, wrong. You need to become the person. The reason you do the reps, the reason why I've taken thousands of sales calls in my life is so I can become good at it. The reason that I'm creating these podcasts and, and speaking into the, into the camera and into you uh, and sharing all my information is because I want to get good at speaking. I want to get good at communicating. You have to put in the reps. It's, it's that simple. And it's the same with the conversion mechanism that you pick. 
Make sure you pick something that aligns with you. Yes, you have to fall in love with the process, but again, it's not about you. It's all about your customer. And when you start thinking like that, wow, uh, sales and businesses become, uh, and business becomes a lot more fun for sure. All right, step number five, nurture uh, your advocates. Like, so how do we get these people to join our affiliate programs? Uh, and again, I mentioned uh, become employees, uh, <laughs> reward us with testimonials and, and other incentivized types of sharing. So what type of incentives would motivate our customers to refer others? Is it money? Is it authority? Is it status? Is it exclusivity? Is it, uh, you know, reciprocity? What do we, what lever are we going to use to get our audience to share our content and make that really easy? Is it influence? Maybe they want to become influencers. Maybe they want to have access to an exclusive club. Maybe they want to have a badge within the community. This could be a name. Uh, that you name individuals who become your advocates, right? Your shining stars. Have an advocate program. Get them fired up. How to make this process simple and rewarding for your advocates. So consider that. How do we make this rewarding for them? Because what's the point of them doing it? First off, and again, this goes without saying, but your products and services should be phenomenal. Uh, and that will start the word of mouth, but you can develop a process to nurture those advocates and, and get the testimonials that you want and get them to join the affiliate programs and sharing and referring people and getting that word of mouth engine. That's where that really starts. All right. Step number six, master retention. So here's a couple of questions to consider, right? Uh, and um, just to kind of recap, we talked about exceptional customer service, regular and personalized communications, emails, texts, all that great stuff. Uh, another like little uh, tidbit that I've recently heard and implemented into uh, Profitable Ads when we were growing uh, our agency, but I was just recently reminded of it, is creating a personalized video. So we would have somebody handle the sales, somebody would be in the onboarding, I would create them a personal welcome video just to say, hey, welcome, welcome to the family. Um, we're super excited to have you. We're gonna get you on board and these are all the things that are gonna happen. This is what you're gonna expect in the next 30 days and really encompass that in our onboarding process. And we saw retention go from like seven to eight months to two to three years. <laughs> like we had people with us for like two to three years until we literally were like, we're not taking any more clients because we don't want to do the done for you stuff anymore. But that, that's a whole nother story. But it works. It works. This custom and personalized communications. People want to be seen, felt, heard, seen. Let's go. All right. So here's some things to kind of reflect on when you're thinking about uh, retention. How can you add value to your customer's experience after they've made their purchases? That video, uh, personalized video was, was a great way of doing that. Uh, what method would encourage customers to stay engaged with your brands? What continuity offer could be added on the back end? How do I get my customers better results? Ooh, that should be at like the burning, the... The, the heart of all your thinking. How, what can I do today to get better results for my customers? If you do that, you're going to be successful. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Good job. All right. Step number seven, ascension. We want to create strategies to encourage customers to purchase, or, uh, to purchase our high value offers. So this could be through upselling, cross-selling, bundling our products and services, or offering a premium uh, membership program or uh, any other premium high-end offer. So I want you to consider this. What additional products and services could benefit your existing customers? Like I mentioned, your current products and services have created a whole new set of problems. What could your next offer be? And again, people that know, trust, and like you are more likely to buy your products and services, and uh, it's just an easier sale. So consider that. How can you present additional offers in a way that aligns with your customers' needs and wants? Ooh, ooh. How do you find that out, Zach? Well, you jump on the phone with your customers, you talk to them, you analyze how they're using your products and services, and then you identify their new problems that are being created by the solution you provided. That is where your next offer is going to come from. 
Um, and then you want to understand the, the overall step. Number eight is understand the overall conversion cycle. So what I mean by conversion cycle, this could be, uh, this is also called the sales cycle. Determine how long it takes uh, a lead to become a, a customer in your business and understand uh, that understand different ways that you can strategize to shorten that cycle and increase your sales velocity. So what I'm saying there is how do we, let's say somebody buys the aeration service and typically they become your, your core offer, which was your lawn mowing service. They will join that in three to six months on average. So let's just say uh, four months, four and a half months. It takes someone on average to become a paying member. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's that's how long it takes, four and a half months. So you know that when you're spending money on advertising, you can look at what you can afford to spend today. On average, every lead I get today, everybody who signs up for my aeration service, we got four and a half months until they become our grass cutting client. And this could be uh, seasonality per reasons. This could be uh, expenses. This could be, there's a number of reasons why this would be happening. If you understand those reasons, all the better. And you can speak to those and shorten that window. That's your goal is to get them from a lead into, uh, you know, someone who's bought your core products and, uh, and selling your main offer. So you need to understand that process. And, and some, some questions you can ask yourself is like, how long does it currently take for a lead to convert into a customer? That's a great question. And identify what is a customer to you. Is, is a customer somebody who buys your uh, your buyer lead? Uh, you bet, that's a customer. So when someone joins your email list, how long does it take them from join your email list to your buyer's list? What does that look like? Or someone to follow you on social and buy your product? What does that look like? Understand that, look for ways to shorten that. Understand the next step, someone who comes a buyer lead to buy your core product. Understand that, answer questions. Someone to buy your core product, buy your premium offer, understand that and answer those questions. Uh, what part of the conversion path, uh, this is the next one, what, what parts of your conversion path could be optimized to speed up this process? Ooh, this is where it gets fun. Like you're able to work at your business, you have it laid out in your conversion path, you understand each step that someone's gonna take and they need to take to become uh, a part of your high ticket program now you get to optimize each and every individual step. Maybe is there an email sequence that we could add? Maybe we should add text to improve that. Maybe instead of saying ABC, we can say uh, EFG. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we can say different things at different places and different times and we can test what works and what doesn't work to ascend somebody up through our products and services. All right, step number nine is all about iterate and optimize. It's just like any type of direct response is all about testing. If you're not testing, you are leaving money on the table. What happens, I see a lot, is that customers will identify something that is working and they're like, this is the best and they will not test against it. They don't know what's the best. They'll create a control and they will never try to beat it. If you don't know what a control is, a control is a, a current offer or a current uh, promotion that is working and they don't compete it against anything else. If you've ever heard of A-B split testing, that's where that happens. You wanna A-B split test your stuff. The reason being is that you may not have the winner. You may have one that's working, but you'll never have true success. And again, you can test that in your organic for free. So always be iterating and testing messages to see how people respond, what gets attention, what doesn't get attention, what gets sales and what doesn't get sales. And you're able to build this like little short list of things that work and things that don't work, which will be a very long list of things that don't work. Your short list of things that work, just keep doing that. Do, do, do more of that and then test against that. And so you'll have like, um, let's say a headline that's really working. You made the change on the landing page, that headline's working. All right, let's try to beat that with other headlines. And that's an A-B test. Or you have an email series that's working, awesome. Let's say every other person that comes through the funnel will get this other email sequence to just test against that. We'll do that. Uh, you need a statistical, uh, statistical amount of, of data. So I like to do a thousand impressions or a thousand people. Once you have a thousand have gone through, you can really see, did this perform better or did this not perform better? And you want to keep doing that and, and always improving. 
Now, if you got things maxed out and it's going well, hey man, and you're happy with the profit and you're happy with how everything's going, then leave it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if you're like just getting by, maybe we wanna test against that and find other opportunities. All right, let's get into the right time and key takeaways. So here's the secrets I have for you on today's episode. Secret number one, the conversion path is the roadmap to effective marketing. It helps you understand and anticipate your customer's journey from the moment they first encounter your brand uh, to point them into becoming not just customers, but advocates. So that's secret number one. Think of your conversion path as your marketing all laid out and you can kind of tie everything into that. Secret number two, different stages of the conversion path require different tools and strategies. Whether you're capturing attention, generating leads, converting leads into customers, nurturing customers into advocates, retaining customers, or helping them ascend to higher value offers, each step requires a unique approach, okay? So every not it's not all just the same. So keep that in, in mind. What got you from point A won't necessarily get you to point B. What would turn somebody into a lead won't necessarily turn them into, into a buyer and so on. So you need to test each individual step. And if you don't, um, you'll probably still find success, but it just will not be at the level that you're desiring. Okay, secret number three, the best advertising does not look like advertising. By providing value and building relationships, you can guide customers along the journey without making them feel like they're being sold to. We want to make sure that we're making our customers feel seen, heard, understood, and cared about. When you can do that with your marketing, you will make more money than you know what to do with. And the reason I tell you that is because I want you to be successful and I selfishly want to increase my impact in this world, uh, which will lead to greater financial success for myself and to you and all the people that you hire and everybody that you, all the impact that you have with your business. So I think the opportunity to be great is, is huge right now. We need to jump on that. It's never been easier to provide value and, and understand this. And I under like, I may be oversimplifying some of these concepts, but trust me, they work. Listen to what I'm saying, implement it in your business, see the results, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I absolutely love bringing that to you. If you implement what I'm talking about in this episode, you are going to see results in your business. Instead of using what I like to call the pray and spray method where you're just trying to like, I'm doing Facebook, Instagram, and this and that, blah, 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 all of this stuff just to check boxes. You're going to have a systematic process on how to market, how to turn that attention into buyer leads, and ultimately how to turn them into people to buy your core offer, and then into your advocates, retain that business, and ultimately ascend them to your next products or services. It's been a pleasure making this for you. And if you did enjoy this, I highly recommend that you subscribe wherever you listen to your pods, comment, like, give me feedback in the comments or your uh, testimonials in the um, in your reviews. I personally will review everything and allow us to reach more people, get more funding and grow and provide you with better content. All right, let's go. Thanks, man. Peace.